Welcome to C's for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories. From A to Z. Welcome back to another episode of C is for Creepy. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode. I see Elise has like a shit-eating grin on her face, so... Let's just jump right in. Okay. What are you covering today? See, this week is for cannibalism. Oh my god, yes. Okay. Buckle up. Let's do this. I'm here for it. This is one of my favorite topics. And as such, it's going to be super fact heavy. Perfect. So I, I can just do what I want. So I'm going to talk about some long pig. I'm here for it. Exactly. Okay, so I've been researching cannibalism ever since I first watched Silence of the Lambs. Okay. Um, I own many books regarding the topic, including one called Eat Thy Neighbor, and that concerned my mom when she saw that. <laughs> but, oh well. Here we are. Yep. Uh, so, for my definition, cannibalism is the practice of eating the flesh of one own species. So this definition is obviously not restricted only to humans, as many other animal species also engage in this, with up to 90% of aquatic life eating one of their own species at one point in its life. Yep. So there are many different types of cannibalism. Where cannibalism is considered normal, eating a member within your own tribe is referred to as endocannibalism. This is usually associated as a way to honor the dead member or as a way to guide the souls of the dead into the living. Oh, okay. On the other end, exocannibalism is when someone outside of the group is eaten, and this is generally seen as an act of victory against the eaten opponent. Interestingly, both types is seen as a way for the cannibal to gain the characteristics from the dead. Oh, okay. Now, in societies where cannibalism is not so common, it still occurs, it just might not be quite as accepted. My personal favorite of this variety is survival cannibalism, which, as the name suggests, involves eating another person for the sole purpose of surviving. Mm -hmm. Examples of survival cannibalism is not limited to being trapped in remote locations, but can be further reaching in times such as famine and war. Yep. Many examples of survival cannibalism can be found during World War II in multiple parts of the world. So in cases of necrophagy, so eating someone that is already dead, yep. that is much more accepted than homicidal cannibalism, as in killing someone to eat them, which regardless of necessity is still considered illegal. So if you kill someone to eat them, it doesn't matter if... It was as an act of survival, you still killed someone. So just wait until they die first, and then you can eat them. But the act of cannibalism itself is not illegal. Do not, from what I've seen, no. Okay. From what I've seen. That could vary in different parts of the world, but from what I've seen... Interesting. As long as they're dead. I mean, like, I'm sure that you could probably argue there's, like, some sort of... Ethically sourced. Well, desecration. Like, some sort of, like, um... Like, uh, desecrating a uh, body. So I'm sure that that would kind of fit into there if you wanted to get technical. Mm -hmm. 
but okay well i feel like i read somewhere that there is a restaurant in an asian country i believe that offers low or ethically sourced human meat oh i love that for them (laughs) i think it would be very interesting i don't know oh I really want to see how ethically, like, how it is ethical. Like, donations. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I want to know, if I eat a cattle, I want to know that it's taken care of and raised properly. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> it's like organ donation. Okay. body donation. I don't know. I don't know. People are gross. I'm sorry. Like, I just find humans disgusting and, like... We're so full of diseases and stuff. Um, Uh I don't know. Okay. There has been a study done on this type of cannibalism, so let's get to it. There was a research paper done in 2016 titled Behavioral Patterns of Cannibalism and Sexual Taboo, which studied if people were more likely to cannibalize those that they were attracted to. The study used three different factors, including attractiveness, age, and gender, with the hopes that those factors would match sexual attraction and cannibalism. The result was not a direct match in regards to gender preference. However, it should be noted that there were fewer males participating in the study. Um, Youth and attractiveness were both a factor between prospective sexual partners and potential cannibal victims. I think that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. As a side note, from my perspective, was that the research also used the word forced cannibalism in the study, and I feel like that could have also been a factor as well. Like, it's not like they're going out saying, like, you want to cannibalize him. Like, it's, you're forced to, who are you choosing, right? I don't know. I feel like how the wording was may have played a factor. If I was forced to eat somebody... Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if I would go with my attractive scale or, like, who's the most fit? Right? Who has what kind of body? Mm-hmm. Do they have tattoos? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it wouldn't be attractive scale. It would be, like, you know. Yeah. The best raised meat. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, like I like I said, like, I, I'm sure, like, if it was a group of cannibals who hunted for pleasure, that it might be different results. Yeah. But, yeah, forced cannibalism, I feel like, yeah, I would definitely want probably, so, like, a youthful, fit person. Yeah. If I'm gonna pick, like, something to eat, someone to eat, I guess. It truly would have nothing to be their like attractiveness no nope no actually probably less attractive i can dehumanize you a little bit (laughs) that's mean (laughs) it it is but it's not wrong yeah yeah okay like i need to be able to dissociate yes yes okay yeah okay so this paper also discussed the taboo of cannibalism that is most likely generated as a biological way to avoid disease. When cannibalism and disease are brought up, Kuru, or Pyron's disease, is usually brought up as well. Is that the one 
with the brains? Yes. While Kuru is found to be transmitted by eating the brain of someone else who is already infected, bloodborne diseases such as HIV, hepatitis, and Ebola, as well as parasites, should also be taken into consideration before eating a human. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, this is a good time to discuss what a human would taste like. The vast majority of people who have partaken in a human dish claim that we taste like pork. Another alleged cannibal from the 1920s claimed that human tastes closer to aged veal. Like all types of cooking, the cuts and method of cooking would change the flavor profile of the person. On Goodreads.com, I found a book titled The Cannibal Cookbook, and while I cannot bring myself to read it, one of the reviewers did note that while being full of cannibal information, it did also include recipes. Oh, good God. Despite my burning curiosity, I'm not going to buy it and read it myself, as it was written by Nico Clow, who was convicted of murder, and he claimed to eat, uh, drink blood, and cannibalize the dead, so probably I don't want to give him my money. No. Just, just to be on the safe side. Yeah. I want to know, but maybe I'll pirate it. <laughs> Fair. So now let's get to the real meat and potatoes of my segment. The meat and potatoes. <laughs> Oh man, okay. Okay. Those who do not cannibalize for survival, but instead for more pathological reasons. Generally, pathological cannibals are either suffering from a severe mental illness or are sexually motivated. One study found that while these perpetrators often fantasize about cannibalistic acts for years before actually committing the crime, the trigger is often feelings of humiliation. Hmm. Another research paper published in 2020, which looked at 121 homicidal cannibals, and these were their findings. So these were like acts of like actual cannibals, and then also those from fiction and like from all sorts of different sources. Yeah. The majority of homicidal cannibal cases were sexually motivated, and the offenders were male the majority of the time. Interestingly, these offenders were generally older than other types of murderers, and their victims were younger in comparison. The method of killing is often manual, such as stabbing, strangulation, or beating, indicating that the act of homicide is as part of where they gain their pleasure as well. Okay. Finally, it was found that cannibals were much more likely to target strangers, with only 2.5% of cannibals targeting their own family members. Now, on to the story. Oh, good. Okay. While there are a lot of very well-documented cases of cannibalism out there, I wanted to try and find a case that was maybe a little less well-known. Luckily, I found a case that is truly horrifying, and there is less coverage because it's a less well-known case. Um, I'm going to be covering the Garen Huns cannibals, who allegedly also dubbed themselves the cartel. Okay. This case takes place in Brazil, so please excuse any pronunciation mistakes. I will try not to judge you harshly. Okay. Well, I mean, just quietly. <laughs> okay. So, this group of people was made up of three. First, there is Jorge Beltero 
Negromanto da Silviera, who I will be referring to as Jorge. Perfect. What is known about Jorge is that he was born to Portuguese parents in 1962 and lived in Portugal for a few years before they moved to Pernambuco, Brazil. Jorge's first murder was when he was a teenager when he murdered a 17-year-old named Luciano Severno da Silva. He was acquitted for this crime as the evidence was not strong enough to gain a conviction. Okay. Continuing to make poor life decisions, Jorge also attempted to murder his mother. He stole 80,000 Brazilian real, which is just over 20,000 Canadian. Okay. Which he used to buy a house. Okay. There isn't much else known about Jorge, but I feel like this paints a very interesting picture of what's to come. Did he succeed in killing his mother? No, it was just an attempt. So he, like, from what it sounds like, he either beat her or pushed her. So, okay. Yeah. The next in the trio is Jorge's wife, Isabel Cristina Pires de Silviera. Isabel was born in 1962, but into a Mormon family that was impoverished. Nicknamed Belle, Isabel was not able to attend school, so she spent the majority of her childhood doing chores around the house. It was a Mormon church that she first met Jorge, and soon Isabel fell in love. The couple married in 1984, which was quite eventful when Jorge threatened to kill all of the wedding guests with a knife. They, they eventually calmed him down, but, you know. Solid. Okay. Like, it's better. The final member of this group is Bruna Cristina Oliveira de Silva, who was born in 1992. Bruna met Jorge when she was 16 years old. Jorge happened to be her gym teacher at the time, but still thought it was appropriate to proposition the girl 30 years his junior. Bruna accepted becoming his mistress, and in order not to lose her husband, Isabel accepted the girl into their home. And so the trio was formed. Lovely. So now I feel like everything I just said is straight out of a telenovela, but oh boy, that was just the start. Remember, this is cannibalism. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> even been eaten yet. Oh my god. Oh god, god. Okay. Okay. Now that we know who is involved, let's get to the murder. It is alleged that shortly after Bruna joined the couple's lives in 2008, Jorge started receiving visions. He named his family the Cartel, and they had the task of purifying the Earth. I was about to say, were they godly visions? Sure were. Okay. To combat the overpopulation, the Cartel had to kill and consume the flesh of four humans, which corresponded with the four elements of Earth, Air, Water, and Fire. Once their mission was complete, a portal to paradise would be opened, and they would ascend to a new plane of existence. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. On May 26, 2008, the trio planned their first murder. They invited a homeless 17-year-old girl named Jessica Camilla de Silva Pereira to move in with them. Jessica brought her one-year-old daughter with her. Oh. While she wasn't paying attention, Jessica was struck in the head and then was quickly drugged to the bathroom where her jugular vein was cut. 
Once exsanguinated, the members of the cartel dismembered and flayed Jessica's body. The group then started to portion out her flesh and then stored it in the fridge. The following day, portions were seasoned with salt and cumin and then grilled. This part is especially heinous, but they also fed parts of this woman to her own child. Parts of Jessica's remains were buried in their backyard in the form of a cross, which I don't know if, like, you know what I mean? I think that's what they mean is, like, the holy cross. Yeah, the parts were buried in a cross, not like she was laid out in a cross. That's, I don't know, there's no other clarification. This is translated from Portuguese. Okay. Okay. Other body fragments were thrown in the garbage. Fearing being caught, the trio made the decision to move, taking Jessica's daughter with them and renaming her Emanuela Victoria Tian Pereira Negromonte, now located in Garen Hans. The cartel targeted and murdered two more women. It seems as though there may have been a cooling off period as the next murders took place in February and March of 2012. The first was Gilsley Helena de Silva, age 31, and the second was Alexandra Falco de Silva, age 20. Both women were invited into the sect's house where they were stabbed in the jugular. Once dead, their bodies were placed on a table for their ritual. They removed the skin of their victims and sliced the cuts they deemed most desirable, which also included some of their organs. These remains were eaten over a period of three days, seasoned with cumin and salt, and served with rice. Now, this next part cannot be confirmed. But Bruna claimed that the undesirable portions of flesh were used to stuff into coxinhas and sold to unsuspecting people at markets. What is a... I didn't know what a coxina was either, so I looked it up, and they looked like a deep-fried dumpling stuffed with meat. And honestly, like, they look delicious. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. But you would ask when I brought up cannibalism, you'd brought up a case where they serve people to unsuspecting people. I know. Like I said, interviews done by people who ate coxinas sold by the family claimed that they either tasted normal or that the patty was too salty or that it was too doughy. So nobody was unsuspecting that the meat was funky. No. And once again, that's just what Bruna claims. So it could have happened, it couldn't might not have. They definitely, the family themselves definitely ate people. Uh-huh. But women, I should say. Okay, um, so shortly after Gizelli's disappearance, her family reported her missing. Police launched an investigation, but they did not have any leads to follow until the following month. When Gazelli's family received her credit card statement and noticed that there were charges from around the Garenhans area. They took those bills to the police. From there, police went to each location where charges were made and checked the surveillance footage for who was making these purchases. This is how they were able to identify Jorge, Isabel, and Bruna. 
On April 9th, 2012, with warrant in hand, the police went to the home of the sect members where all three were arrested. Hmm. Jessica's daughter, who was now five years old, told police she had witnessed the murders and was able to describe the crime scene vividly. One of the members confessed to the murders and cannibalism and told police where in the backyard the bodies were buried. Oh, good God. November 14th, 2014, all three members of the sect were convicted of killing Jessica. Jorge was sentenced to 21 years in prison plus a year and a half of solitary confinement. Both Isabel and Bruno were sentenced to 19 years plus one year of solitary. All three were simultaneously on trial for the murders of Gazelli and Alexandra on December 15th of 2018, and they were all found guilty of all counts. Good. Jorge was sentenced for 71 years. Bruno was sentenced to 71 years and 10 months. And Isabel was sentenced to 68 years. Quite a difference in years. So during the second trial, Jorge placed all of the blame onto his mistress, Bruna, saying that she tortured him. Quote, I'll tell you the truth now, because in the other trial, I hit a lot of defense of Bruna. I've known Bruna since she was 17, and she told me she was a witch. I have no part in it. Both I and Isabel were tortured to assume that. Oh. End quote. And that's what Jorge said to a local news outlet. Jorge also wrote a book uncovered by police at the time of his arrest titled Revelations of a Schizophrenic. Hmm. Jorge is now an alleged vegetarian while in prison. <laughs> oh, the irony. Yes. But uh, that is my cannibalism case. That was great. Yes. Short and sweet, but man, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited to hear your C. <laughs> All right. So my C. Today we will be discussing C is for conspiracy. Ooh. So. We are going to be covering the Clinton body count. Conspiracy around former U.S. President Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary Clinton. Oh, snap. Okay, let's do this. So, um, everything I did get, I did get from the internet. Yeah. Please don't sue us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, there is many claims of them having their opponents assassinated. And up to 50 mysterious deaths surrounding them. These theories have been around since the 1990s. And many people believe that this family has the power to make their opponents and problems go away. I have compiled a list of many suspicious deaths that have followed the Clinton family. This information was pulled from Wikipedia, NIMEG.com, edu.com and truthandfiction.com okay so we're gonna get right into it some of their alleged victims is c victor razor the second he was a national finance co-chairman for bill clinton he died in a plane crash along with his son and three others on july 30th 1992 during a fishing trip 
Conspiracy theorists believe that the crash to have been deliberately caused. However, the National Transportation Safety Board ruled it was an accident, stating the pilot's delayed decision in reversing course and his failure to maintain airspeed during the maneuver. Factors related to the accident were mountainous terrain and low ceiling. Okay. Sure they were. Yeah. This plane just, you know, crashed in the mountains. Mm Mm-hmm. Mary Mohane was a White House intern who, in the early summer of 1997, was shot execution style and deposited in the bathroom of a Georgetown Starbucks. However, conspiracy theorists believe Mohane was killed on the orders of the Clintons. Well, yeah. Mary Mohane? Oh, I just didn't. (laughs) Vince Foster, Deputy White House Counsel. Vince Foster was found dead in a Fort Marcy Park in Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. On July 20th, 1993, an autopsy determined that he was shot in the mouth and no other wounds were found on his body. His death was ruled a suicide by five official investigations, but but he remains a subject of conspiracy theories that he was actually murdered by the Clintons for knowing too much. Vince Foster, found dead with a revolver in his hands, just after filing years worth of delinquent whitewater tax returns. Uh So then a former CIA director, William Colby, who had recently turned his attention to the Vince Foster suicide, was found dead shortly after. That is such a weird coincidence. I know. Mm. Yeah, so Vince Foster put in uh, like filed saying to the CRA being like yeah they're fraudulent looked yeah. into it got looked into it died hmm. interesting yeah next we have Seth Rich the unsolved 2016 murder of Democratic National Committee staff member Seth Rich prompted conspiracy theorists to speculate that Hillary Clinton arranged his death the debunked theory was based on a Fox News report, later retracted, that Rich had been responsible for WikiLeaks, released of DNC emails during the 2016 United States presidential campaign. Various elements of this theory have been promoted by prominent right-wing figures. Mm. He was found dead. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Jeffrey Epstein! Hey, I remember him! <laughs> Convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein was being held on federal charges of child sex trafficking, was found dead in his cell at the High Security Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan on August 10th of 2019, mm-hmm. as we all recall. Mm-hmm. An official autopsy later declared the cause of death as suicide by hanging. His death led conspiracy theorists being relayed on social media. Oh, his dead his death led to conspiracy theorists being relayed on social media, particularly relating to Bill Clinton and President Donald Trump. Hours after Epstein's death, Trump retweeted claims that Epstein's death was related to Clinton, including the hashtag Clinton Body Count. <laughs> Lynn Patton, 
a Trump appointee at HUD says, Hillaryed! <laughs> and used the hashtag Vince Foster Part 2 oh. in an Instagram post about Epstein's death. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> so, Christopher Sign. Reporter Christopher Sign broke the news of a meeting on June 27th, 2016 on the Phoenix Sky Harbor tarmac between former President Bill Clinton and then attorney General Loretta Lynch. The timing of the meeting happened during the 2016 presidential election when the candidate Hillary Clinton was under scrutiny for how she handled certain emails during her tenure as a U.S. Secretary of State. Uh-huh. Sign was found dead in his Alabama home on June 12, 2021. His death is being investigated as a suicide, but several right-wing figures, as well as pro-Trump cable news channel, One America News Network, suggests that Sign had been murdered by the Clintons. Huh. Next, we have Jovenel Moise. I'm sorry if I say that wrong. Uh, Haitian president Jovenel Moise was assassinated on July 7th of 2021 when gunmen attacked his residence in Periline 5, a district of Petion Villa. Martine Moise, the first lady of Haiti, was hospitalized for wounds sustained during the attack. Some right-wing conspiracy theorists have claimed the Clintons were involved in their in Moise's death, pointing to political controversies regarding aid given to Haiti by the Clinton Foundation, such as hurricane-proof classroom trailers that were found to be structurally unsafe and laced with formaldehyde. Oh, nice. Followers of the QAnon conspiracy theory, who claim that Donald Trump is secretly waging war against a cabal of child traffickers that includes the Clintons heavily discussed the idea that they had a hand in the assassination. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, but it is not looking good. Either they are very unlucky people, but I don't know. There's too like, there's just too many things that like it can't be a coincidence you know what i mean why is everybody who stands up against you dying (laughs) or committing suicide yeah like in quotes obviously yeah yeah so next we have ron brown who served as the secretary of commerce during the first term of president bill clinton prior to this he was chairman of the democratic national committee brown had been under investigation by an independent counsel for the commerce department trade mission controversy and was a material witness who had been notified to testify in judicial's watch in judicial watches lawsuit against the clinton commerce department he and 34 others died in the 1996 croatia ct-43 plane crash luther parks head of security at the clinton campaign hq said to have compiled an oppo research file on Clinton's illicit activities, died of multiple gunshot wounds. I'm surprised that wasn't a suicide. <laughs> yep. Kevin Ives and Don Henry 
slain and then placed on road road rail tracks. Two of ten deaths, with some connection to the Arkansas drug ring, Clinton is believed by some to have helped cover up. Jim McDougall, a financial partner of the Clintons in real estate venture that led to the Whitewater scandal, McDougall died of a heart attack at a federal correctional facility in Fort Worth, Texas. J.F. Kennedy Jr. Who was, according to polls, the most popular Democrat in New York, according to friends, Kennedy considered seeking the seat of retired senior Daniel Moynihan in the 2000 United States Senate election in New York, but died on a plane crash. There's there's just a lot of plane crashes. A lot of plane crashes, a lot of suicides. A lot of gun down in the middle of the streets. Yeah, a lot of... I, I think there's too, too many just placed on train tracks, for my liking. <laughs> I agree. So, he died on a plane crash in July 16th of 1999. Then Hillary Clinton was elected to... Moynihan's vacated seat, November 7th of 2000. Uh-huh. Next, we have Edward Eugene Willie Jr., a Clinton fundraiser whose wife, Kathleen Willie, alleged on the CBS News magazine 60 Minutes that Bill Clinton had sexually assaulted her on November 29th, 1993. Kathleen also testified on the Paula Jones sexual harassment suit against Clinton. Edward was found dead in the Virginia woods, and his death was ruled a suicide. Huh. Jerry Parks, head of security for the Clinton headquarters during his presidential campaign in 1992, was killed on September 26, 1993, as he left a Mexican restaurant at the edge of Little Rock, Arkansas, by a man in another car that shot him ten times using a 9 millimeter handgun. Parks, Son Gary asserted that his father collected a secret file of Clinton's peccadillos and that his father was using the file to try and blackmail the Clinton campaign. Oh shit. Finally, we have Mark Middleton, an Arkansas business leader, mutual friend of Bill Clinton and Jeffrey Epstein, and former financial director for Clinton's presidential campaign, and later special assistant to Clinton was found dead by hanging from a tree 30 miles from his home with a shotgun wound in his chest. Whoa. May 7th, 2022. Middleton's family filed an injunction to prevent police photos of the scene from being released to the public, citing concerns that the images could encourage conspiracy theorists. Judge Alice Gray will decide whether the photos can be released. Wow. Yep, so then we also have two supposed mistresses, seven prominent Democratic fundraisers who have all died under mysterious circumstances, 28 bodyguards, escorts, secret service agents, along with more than a dozen dozen other witnesses and former friends, rivals, journalists, and investigators have all died in unsolved murders hard to explain suicides and accidents all having connections to the Clintons. Mm. All these claims allege that both Bill and Hillary Clinton have orchestrated the deaths of several acquaintances who supposedly had dirt on the family. 
The belief is mostly held by those of the opposing conservative party in efforts to further tarnish the family's reputation. The conspiracy theory was brought up during Hillary Clinton's 2008 and 2016 presidential campaigns. The original body count list is attributed to Linda Thompson, a lawyer and conspiracy theorist of the American Justice Federation. The question remains, is this just coincidence? Or is this a meticulously detailed plan conjured up by two very wealthy people to eliminate any obstacle that is in their way? I truly believe that while some may be an odd coincidence, there is no way that this many deaths um, surrounding one family or two people is just coincidence. Uh There's not a hope in hell. No, I I agree. But that is the Clinton body count. I did, like it's wild to hear a list that is three pages long that actually has some substance. Uh-huh. Not just oh we think that they killed all of their mistresses. Like no, there's people and like uh-huh. why they would have been off. Uh-huh. I. You know, when we were covering, like, the Wealthy Bastards case, it was definitely notable that, like, people with money have the ability. So, I think it's really interesting to see how this plays out. hmm Well, and until there is substantial investigations done, it's going to continue to happen, and there's going to continue yeah. to be a body count. hmm Like, the numbers are only going to get higher. Yeah. Totally. And, like, there needs to be more than just one person looking into it. Because if one person does, like, it appears they go missing. Or dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that is a Clinton body count. Wow. That was super interesting. Well, thank you. Okay. So I guess that wraps us up for Seek. That's a short one. Yes. Thanks for listening. And make sure to give us a five-star review on your listening platform. Yep. Or send us an email at for Sorry, c4creepy at gmail.com. Or check out our website at cisforcreepy.com. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to C is for Creepy. We put out weekly episodes every Tuesday going through the creepy alphabet. Check out our website at acast.com slash c is for creepy. Or on Facebook at C is for Creepy Podcast. Or on Instagram at C for Creepy Podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, please email us at C for Creepy at gmail.com. Artwork done by Alexis Daly. Check out her work at LEXXA underscore artwork on Instagram. See you next week. Bye.